0: Hey, Shantia B, and you are listening to the Industry Insider Podcast. I'm so excited to have someone that I feel is bringing so much to the culture, so much to the entertainment industry, and someone I know personally that I met while interning at the Breakfast Club. I have jo Ed with me.
1: Yo. What's going on? I'm ahead, right, I'm doing good.
0: So, let's get right into it. If you want to let everybody know, like, um, your profession and what you do.
1: So, right now, I'm a producer at Revolt um, TV. It's a television network that um, Sean Puff, Daddy Combs started probably, like, four years ago. Um, we turned five in October. I joined the network probably, like, if we started in October, I joined in January. So, it was, like, about... Oh, wow. and then I've been with them ever since Um, I started as a production assistant just helping the network start launch and stuff and then um, when we bought the Breakfast Club the end of March started off PA and um, production assistant on that then I just started growing um, throughout production management until I um, just started producing um, for the network overall
0: Dope. So before you got all to that, into the production world, did you know that's something you wanted to do like from high school or college or you kind of just figured it out as you yeah. went Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, the most interesting thing is just like in high school, we had this class called like advanced video production and stuff. And I made like a music video for like a friend that passed away. And um, I was just realizing like how you can control like people's emotions. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that through like video and stuff like that. And that's how I fell in love with it um, and the reaction how we get to it. But then like when I realized I was like staying in the media lab for like hours on end, like missing classes and stuff like that, I realized like that's that was it. a passion. Yeah. And stuff. I just had to figure out how to attach a dollar amount to it.
0: Exactly. And how long did it take for you to attach the dollar amount to it?
1: I mean, I just got a job. Like, Revolt TV, I started doing it, like, um, independently throughout college, throughout 2011, 2010. um, I I was covering, like, um, private events, baptism, weddings, and college probates. Oh, nice. College parties as well. Um, So, like, I built, like, a network and stuff. I actually created like a social network much like Facebook it was called like Royal Glam so it was, like royalglam.net and stuff and it was like a hub for like a lot of Greeks on um, fraternity and sororities even though I wasn't a member at the time that's where they were and they um, could either hire each other professionally for, for things like if you needed a graphic designer and you were an artist, you could find one at my website or you could hire me like to cover your event and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was doing that for like two, three years early out, like from like 2010, 2009.
0: Now, so you were hustling all the way through.
1: Yeah, and then I got my first professional like, media job like with Revolt TV. And stuff. So I was doing it on my own and stuff. Even went out and did a documentary in Haiti wow. and stuff. And then um, I bought out the Tribeca Cinemas. That was like a couple blocks from where we were at, at Breakfast Club. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I bought out the entire cinemas. I screened my own documentary like two, three times that we raised about $20,000 um, in donations so I could build um, anti seismic homes in Haiti. That's amazing. I thought that was the, the response to, like, the earthquake at the time. But then um, we switched gears, and that's when I started building, like, I bought a plot of land with the money we had left, and I started building a development center.
0: That's so, so dope. To build that and the whole process for that, how was it putting all that together? Like, did you have to bring in other people to help you, or was more so a project you just took on yourself?
1: Um, my family has been serving the Haitian community for, like, the past 40 years. So it's basically like a passing of the mantle now, like to me and my generation and stuff. Just somebody had to step forward. I feel like it was, it's it's me now. I'm doing so, bringing it to light amongst our generation and stuff. But being that we have been serving the community for so long, we have a network of like Haitians that has relocated. That's like the Haitian diaspora that relocated Mm -hmm. in America. And stuff, and we do have like Haitian Americans that's born out here that um, has trust in the work that we've been doing for years um, on end and stuff like that. So they're familiar with our work, they're familiar with our family and our last names and stuff, and they just trust what we're doing. And so, so yeah, um, long story short, yeah, you can't do nothing by yourself. Right. So so it's just like I um, sat down with my parents. And stuff like that, told them, like, this is what we should be doing and stuff like that. They believed in the vision. It's something that they've always been doing. My grandmother also, she has, like, a huge plot of land, like, on, like, seven acres. Oh, wow. Yeah, she had it since, like, the 80s. And on it, she had a school, and she always had a vision to build a hospital, and a church on it. So um, that has always been there um, since the 80s. And then I guess like 10 months after she passed, we inaugurated the school. It was like a million dollar infrastructure. Oh,
0: my. Um
1: Yeah, it was the largest um, school in Laogun. It was to house like a thousand students. Um, this was like, we inaugurated November 19th, 2009. And then we all know like, Eight weeks, ten weeks later, um, January 12, 2010, we we suffered that 7.0 earthquake. And we completely lost that entire school that we spent years um, raising funds for. So that's what really motivated me to, like, um, buy a plot of land not too far from where um, my family has that initial um, complex at. And then I was just like, I thought at first, like, they wanted to rebuild, like, because we lost my grandmother May. 19th um 2008 oh, sorry to hear and, that. um a year before that this, this guy's doing so right but through that we inaugurated the school like a year later and then we lost it um a year after i didn't think that rebuilding the school immediately was a our priority effort, right because like a lot of these kids are forced now being like the leaders of their home reload it,
0: yeah
1: yeah because they lost their parents and stuff because they weren't possibly wasn't fast enough to get out right. of the house while the earthquake was going on. Or they were not at home. Like, a lot of parents were home, but a lot of kids weren't home because they were out in school. school
0: right. So they just like, try to find the kids, too. It's just... A, exactly. Yeah.
1: So it's just like, now a lot of kids are like the, the parents of their household and stuff like that and forced to bring in uh, uh, income. So I'm like, they, mm-hmm. they're not going to go to school. Yeah. So they like, have to
0: support? figure out their own like, livelihood.
1: You feel me? So it's just like I I thought. Like either building houses and helping them regain houses was like our our first um, priority. That's why, like after um, I screened the the my documentary "Stones Cry Out," um, I used the proceeds to start building anti-seismic houses. So, like God forbid another earthquake came, um, it could. Um, go with the the, the ground and right. the earthquake um, to some magnitude and stuff like that. But then that got too costly, and I was just thinking, like, what is something that would be more of a lasting impact on um, um, for generations and stuff like that, as yeah. well as like leave, leave a legacy and stuff like that for, for for our family as well. And I thought a development center would would be it and stuff. So it's just not that it's not some place where you're just gonna get education and stuff. But you're gonna learn trades at this at, at our development center. You gotta learn trades where you could bring in sustainable income into your household yourself. We tried the model of us bringing in funds and bringing in help and, and bringing in clothes and all of that stuff. But now, like I think it's it's time for us to like help advance this these communities and stuff like that. We're taking an entire neighborhood from complete illiteracy. To cuter literate community. Mm. So with that said, like um, our development center is gonna have a literacy center which is re- already built and functioning and that's stuff. And Since like that's it's God's work, God's plan and stuff. Since 2013, we already taught um, over 100 young adults and senior citizens how to read and write for the first yeah. time. we also going to have a fashion house, a art house, a culinary center, as well as a computer lab. And so just trying to advance them and catch them up to like the 20th mm-hmm. century. Right. Uh, 21st and stuff. And I appreciate so, that yeah.
0: so much because you know, after the hurricane, you know, there were so many relief efforts. And like you said, like donating clothes and like, that's great. But like, after like a year and the cameras go away and the press goes away, people just forget about those communities. And people think after a year, like it's back to normal. Hurricane Sandy, like even out in New York, that had a huge impact and people are still trying to get their houses and everything to get. So I can only imagine with the earthquake, that's things that take decades, you know, to fully recover from. So I think you putting the time and really giving back to create a whole development center i think it's so dope and i just think it's so needed you know
1: it absolutely is and stuff like that and it's not something i just told you earlier like it's nothing there's nothing on ever you can do by yourself so it's like this is another endeavor i can't do by myself and stuff this is something that that's why i know it's like definitely like god's plan because this is not something in my budget right and stuff, this is not something i could afford to do alone and mm-hmm. stuff. i haven't even made the type of money that it's gonna take to complete the the complex and stuff like i haven't even seen mm. that um, ever it's not no real right sort of like, so to to just sign up for it i know that this is a lifetime commitment um that i'm signing up for and i do know like this is a this is not a haitian issue it's a human issue exactly patient and stuff. So, so I know the work starts here, but it won't end here. And exactly. stuff. So, so, like this is just the first hurdle we are to um, we up against, and we gonna, gonna cross, God willing.
0: Exactly. So who have been your mentors throughout your whole career so far?
1: Well, throughout my whole career, the only the only two people I really looked up to like my whole life was like Pastor A.R. Bernard. He's just been there, my my. Um, whole life besides my parents my parents have just been li- leading me and in, like instilling values of um upon me like i come from three generations of pastors but my father has just always been there he's he's the type of person that told me like if you take one step towards god he'll take 10 steps towards you so it's just like mm-hmm. it's not you can't ask him for or believe him in him for it and then um Pastor the air but not like once i got older like Um, he took it to another level like my faith to another level and he just taught me like faith without works is dead, and stuff like that like we just got to meet God halfway like he really just broke it down like everything that my father was teaching me like he just made it make sense like in the language that I was speaking at the time and stuff and then like my my business and like the the grind has always been like puff and stuff like my my first fitted hat was like a Sean John like (laughs) P.E. You feel me, like yeah. white joint, like with the with the flex fit at the throwback
0: stuff. joint. Yeah,
1: you feel me, like it didn't even have like no snaps on the back. Like, right? Oh like, lord, like, you really got the throwback one. Fit joint. Like, oh, like, so it was like that was my very first hat ever, and stuff like that. So it's just like I've I've been around when he's been doing stuff like Star Maker. And stuff like that. I remember, like, even when I started learning how to video edit, like, I just found, like, one of my videos on YouTube when I submitted, like, for I Am King um, competition, that a uh, campaign that he was doing for, like, one of his fragrances. Yeah. And, like, I've been chasing, trying to work for him for a minute, like, so it's just crazy, like... Just sitting down, thinking about it, like, yesterday, how far I've come and stuff like that. Like, now actually working for the person, like, I'm it's owning, weird. So standing next to him and his kids and, like, just learning from them hand in hand and stuff like that. Like, those are the people I really looked up to and just learning from afar. And stuff. so it's God's grace just to be next to him and, like, have an opportunity to learn and stuff. Even in silence, like, I don't got to say much and right. stuff. Them moving and them making their moves and, like, making their decisions. Getting to see that up close and just being in the rooms um, at times, like that's just um, a blessing.
0: What was it like the first time you met Diddy?
1: It was crazy. It was cool. It was, it was in a working environment and stuff like that. So I just had to keep in mind that that yeah, this is somebody I work for, but at the same time, I I am working and stuff. So it's right. like, it, was, it was his work. Like it was his work ethic, and it was him always getting the job done. That's what made him like where he's at. So just, like, stay focused on that and stuff. And he'll notice you when the time is right. So don't try to chase it now and stuff. Like, so just shaking his hand, introducing myself to him. That first time, it was super dope. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that was super dope. Seeing him walk through the office and all of that stuff, like, in the building that he started and created. That was super dope. And it meant a lot to me because I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, to be working for a black man. Right. That's who gave me my first opportunity at, um doing it the right way learning the process i didn't get uh, opportunity from these other production companies and stuff like that like i've mm. uh, definitely applied to everybody right and stuff like that like i didn't get it to get it from somebody that looked like me
0: right stuff, representation me.
1: exactly it means a lot to me and it gives me something to aspire to every day that's why i treat each day like at the office like my first day hmm uh, Cause it's just like it's not gonna like you. Yeah, hustle's not gonna like decrease and stuff like that. Like, treat right. like first You're never gonna like feel comfortable.
0: Exactly. Cause I think sometimes people can get a little too comfortable too.
1: Yeah, never get comfortable. No, never get comfortable. And stuff like that. The same way life could be taken at the blink of an eye. Everything that God's blessed you, it can be taken away. Mm-hmm. That's it's just like you got to treat everything, like have an attitude of gratitude for everything that you're coming across and appreciate it while you have it. Don't be that person to appreciate it when it's gone. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So did you, for the uh, process to getting bolt, did someone refer you or did you, like, apply, like, the traditional process? Like, how did that go?
1: So the crazy part about it, um, I'm in a fraternity. I'm a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Like, in my job search, like I was telling you, I was definitely living at one of my fraternity brothers' couches That in Harlem. My parents had a house upstate, um, and we were renting, like, uh, my home in Brooklyn out. Oh, understand. gotcha. But so I was staying upstate um, after college um, for a little bit, and then traveling back and forth to the city trying to get these interviews and trying to lock the position. So uh, one of my fraternity brothers um, opened up their um, home to me. And stuff, But they was also opening it up to um, one of their line brothers as well, who's also, like, a producer on um, MTV. Oh, wow. So he gave me, just, like, one morning I woke up and I was just telling him, like, about my job search. And he told me, like, there was this website that's not in existence anymore, but it was called, like, Friends and TV. It was just, like, a website where the only people that would be able to post these job listings are Mm -hmm. people that's within the media industry Mm. and the only people that would be able to join this website is if you knew somebody in the media industry that Mm. referred to you so that's how that website worked and so so then now uh there was this ad he told me about it it was like twenty dollars to join for the entire year i definitely thought it was sketchy as fuck
0: (laughs) I was about to was ask you, I'm on. like, uh, uh, do you think it's sketchy? Like, $20? Yo, Hold on, what's going
1: on? Nah, I definitely thought this was a scam. I definitely thought there was, like, uh, some type of scam on the other side just collecting my card information for me. It's nation, right. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and going to shopping spree. But I took the risk because I was taking every opportunity I was granted um, that was afforded to me, and so I really wanted um, what I was searching for. So there was a listing that just got posted after I did all that. There was a listing that got posted probably like a couple minutes after like I signed on and stuff. Maybe like a few seconds. I'm not even going to hold you. And then um, becoming a member of my fraternity, I think that there was a lot of things that I learned that I apply in my lifetime, staying ready so you don't got to get ready. Right. And so, uh, like, I would always be updating my resume and keeping it, like, on my desktop, have a cover letter ready and stuff. But um, so you was on it? On it. Like, the only thing I ever had to do was just add a name to who, like, that was, <laughs> that
0: was Yeah, that's and nothing. I always
1: had I always had, like, resumes on me. Like, I always had a folder in my book bag or any bag that I was with and stuff like that, cover letter and everything attached just in case I passed by someplace or met somebody and stuff that could help me out and stuff like that along the way. That's That's, so smart. So, like, that's how I was moving, like, 2010 to 2012. I saw that post because I never took an internship, so I felt like I was already behind the eight ball and Mm. stuff. And that happened because, like, I was so in love with, with video production. I took those classes like every class I could take like my first and second year so like the rest of my my college career I had to take like your core stuff right year, exactly, yeah exactly like, stuff that I was really interested in then. yeah <laughs> so, and then then leave room for internship so with that being said like I already knew like I had to go above and beyond just to get what I wanted right so um I saw that listing I already had my my resume everything that they were asking for but I didn't know where I was applying to because there was no Revolt TV. There was no nothing. So Why? there was just like, yo, uh, an entry position for a new television network and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I just uh, I gave everything that I needed to submit, and I replied that minute. And then I guess like the person that submitted, the thing was still at their computer because they just um, sent it to the website. So I already replied. I already had an email, like, a couple minutes later. Wow. So then now, like, they was asking me, like, my availability. And I was just telling them, like, yo, I'm available. So then now, like, I'm already having a conversation with them. Then, like, the first couple of hours of them posting. And then I set up that meeting. It was probably, like, for, like, one in the afternoon. And I was really there, like, by, like, 8, ten, 9 in the morning. She... Like, I was spinning. You <laughs> was, was ready. Like, I was seeing security walk up to the building and opening up the building at that time. So then now, like, the crazy part, I just tried everything that I could. A new CEO was named at that time for, like, Revolt TV. So I just tried to get in contact with that person. Um, that was Keith and oh,
0: yeah. stuff.
1: I did get in contact with that person. And, um. So then, like, we always kept in contact. And stuff, so then now, like, when I was at the building, I reached out to him. And I'm like, yo, I got this um, interview at Revolt. And he was like, yo, where you at? West Coast or East Coast? And I'm like, East Coast. And he was like, all right, cool, what time is your interview? And I'm like, probably like 12, 1 o'clock. And he was like, yo, it's 8 o'clock now in New York. So it's like 5 in the morning, I'm out in LA. Well, like, when when you see somebody there, like, ask for such and such, ask for such and such everybody he was asking for me for wasn't there so there was one person that was there Whitney Gail Gunter oh, she was yeah. senior vice president of talent at that time I Revolt. so we had a conversation and um, she gave me an interview and I thought it was cool but I, I don't know how it ever went because um the last question was like yo um did you ever have an internship like we had a great conversation but like you never told me about your internship and I was like yo I never really had one. And I just told her the same story. Like, I was so passionate about, like, video production. I just went out and did all of that. And, like, by the time it was, I started asking about internship, they was like, if I have no room for it, I got to focus on it. And And then she responded. She was like, you're trying to get a job for a company where the chairman um, came up off of internships. So I was just like, I, I took that. And I was just like, ooh. Like, like, uh, like yeah. okay,
0: thank you. All right, yeah.
1: yeah <laughs> thank you for I your know. time. You feel me? I am I don't even know how I responded, so I don't even want to say anything. So it's just like, right? Um, I just remember how that felt. I was just like.
0: You're unsure like, at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I know I definitely started praying and then I had to keep confident and stuff. And I knew, like, what God had for me what was for me and stuff like that. So then now, like, after that interview, um, I called Um, keep back, and I was just like, Hey, I just had the conversation with him and stuff like that. Like, should I leave and stuff? And then he was just like, Well, um, did you speak to the person you initially had a a meeting with? Like, I'm like, Nah. And then they was just like, He was just like, Nah, you should stay. And then after that, that person was Charisse. Oh,
0: Charisse. Yeah, (laughs) that
1: person was Charisse, and she came, and um, I saw her walk in. And, stuff. and then that's when we had initial um, interview. And then after that, she was telling me about what was going on. She told me like it was a new television network that was going um, starting. And then there was a new program that was going to be bringing in that was going to be on television. And what I would be interested on in working on it is going to require me being up um, at, at the studio at like five a.m. And that program was The Breakfast Club and stuff. And when I found out, I was like, "Yup, sign me up. No question, Yeah, like, no question. All I do at home right now is watch The Breakfast Club on (laughs) on YouTube. So, like, yeah, I'm here for that. Yeah, everything she asked me to do from that point on, I'm done. And try to get it done as fast as possible. And I am still have that attitude within that network. Like, I don't let anything linger. I get an assignment. I try to knock it out as fast as possible, whatever it is. And I actually go out seeking assignments and trying to create one when I do have downtime and stuff. And I think all of that and keeping that attitude has been helping. And just definitely bringing more opportunity um, for me, bringing me where I want to actually go.
0: Exactly. And then now I've been seeing that you've been producing a lot more content for Revolt TV, and I watched the documentary piece with Casanova.
1: Well, I definitely um, produced that alongside. Man didn't love it. He was a director and I had producer on that, um, EP on that, and gave me the opportunity to work alongside him, and I appreciated that. Because he knew my background. Him and Casanova, Casanova was an also person. That um, was vocal about me being a part of that project. Dope. Yeah, he seen me grow up. We grew up um, in the same neighborhood. Um, we knew each other way before the music and um, outside of the music for other reasons and stuff like hey like Casanova is like that person. He's true to who he is, say he is and stuff like like his background is real. And that's how I got involved in that project. Just try to bring as much truth out as possible.
0: And that was the-, the process for the piece with Charlemagne and Joe Budden?
1: Oh, my God, I thank Charlamagne for that as well. Being that I've been working on The Breakfast Club for, like, three, four years, I've definitely built a relationship with all three. The talent on Breakfast Club, Charlemagne, Envy, and Angelique all together. And then I always wanted to make, like, year-end content or actually make content with, with Charlemagne or each one of them specifically. Yeah. But um, I thought a year-end wrap-up would have been dope to do with Charlemagne. He was already familiar with doing it with other networks. So I thought, like, it would be dope bringing it over to Revolt. So I reached out to him, and I asked him about the opportunity. And, like, after The Breakfast Club, like, he's always been a lending ear. Like, I'm sure you're familiar with going at, um, going up to him after the show and, like, pitching ideas. Yeah. And he's quick to tell you what wouldn't work and what would work. And yeah, like that.
0: definitely helped me out a lot.
1: I think the year end content was a good idea that um, I pitched to him, um, but there was just, I had to tweak like different aspects. And then when I got closer, like adding different elements to how this would be different, he just was just like, yo, uh, what if like we got Joe? And then uh, I just went all out and trying to get Joe involved. And then uh, Joe was open and he was receptive the opportunity and stuff and then like i appreciate both of them opening up their schedule so they could be a part of it yeah so so that's basically how it happened from there sat down and just kept um throwing ideas at the wall on how this content would look like definitely prepared it stayed low kept quiet about it and then shocked the world that uh, last week of december
0: i know you have a whole bunch of stuff going on but most recent one is decoded which right. I super, super love, and I think it's so needed because I remember watching that when, as a kid, like, seeing, like, B H one pop-up video, and you would <laughs> see, like, oh, this is filmed actually in California. This is actually filmed in the Hollywood studios. And I think that'd be so dope to, you know, to see the back end of the music videos.
1: Right, that's definitely, um, I grew up watching pop-up video. Like, I definitely love what Genius is doing with, like, their lyric breakdown. Yes, it's, love that. Like, this would be a perfect marriage. Of the two, and like, what if both of them sat down and had a baby? And I felt like decoded is what, uh, what what that is. It's basically how I came up with that. Um, I always had these questions, um, like what's going on. Like I always love music videos. I made a couple of them, like when well, I was growing up. So I always had these questions on, like, what could have happened right. on video sets or behind the scenes of certain um music videos. When we had shows like Access Granted and stuff like that, like I think those shows like kind of spoiled us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like, and then not to not have them anymore, um, it left a void. Yeah. And now there's like a secrecy <laughs> so, <laughs> of what's going on right there. But I feel like a show like this, you get to know like your favorite artists. There's a more intimate side that you get from the artists and stuff that you won't get like from an interview exactly uh, or any other type of like video content so yeah thank you for like watching that
0: yeah I bring back that feeling like seeing like people enjoying music videos you know what I mean I feel like people just put out stuff it burns out put out stuff and burns out but with this you could really see the whole behind the scenes and the process and the whole end result of the whole music video
1: yeah, definitely.
0: So before we wrap up, I know that you have a huge, huge night coming up this week, your Caribbean Relief Awareness Night. So you want right. to tell about a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, definitely. So we're having that March 11th Caribbean Awareness Relief Night. It's sponsored by my nonprofit, Heirs of Salvation. What I did was, like, I personally went out last year. Um, You know what sparked it? was what? Trump. Trump's comment about, um... Haiti being, like, a, a shell nation. Uh. I more Haitians from, like, sharehold nation. hmm Like that. And I'm, like, one of my best friends is Nigerian and stuff, and I'm Haitian myself, and I'm building this development center out there. I believe in Haiti and stuff like that. I love being Haitian, and I don't think that, I, actually, I feel like it's a jewel of, like, the world. Mm-hmm. I feel like, actually, it's been called, like, the Pearl of the Antilles, which means like, it has to have been, been like one of the most beautiful places in the world right. at times. So it's just like, um, to call it like a show nation, I don't agree with it. So I didn't want to make any... I didn't want to bring any more attention to it. So I was like, I know who I am and stuff like that, especially, like, in this, like, black renaissance narrative we're trying to rewrite right now. Exactly. Like, um, I'm a king in my own right. But it took time for me to get to that mindset mm-hmm. and stuff. But it's like, these so When kids you see that
0: negative like, energy, it could just take you to a whole other side that you're not even trying to go. And you absolutely. really have to, like, take it and turn it into a whole positive.
1: That's exactly what we're trying to do now, and stuff like that. Because it's just like I remember, like my niece's comments as like Barack was in office. So it's just like I know she's paying attention, mm-hmm. but it pay attention like to what the leader of the free world is saying right now. Yeah. So like for these kids, like I feel like we gotta do something, or somebody gotta do something. I always had a mindset of, like thinking globally but acting locally. So yeah, yeah I want to raise awareness for the development center that we're building in Haiti that like we spoke about earlier. But I want to act locally, and I think to do that, to raise awareness and to raise funds for the development center I'm building out there. Let's bring our kids to the Brooklyn Nets game and stuff like that, or to the Barclays. I bought 40 tickets. I made a nice. deposit and stuff with the Barclays, and um, after that, um, to complete my deposit or pay off um, the entire night, I started a GoFundMe and raised about 3,500 within two weeks to complete the payment and stuff. And what what we're doing now is I'm bringing 40 kids from two schools, one being my chairman, Mr. Combs, Puff Daddy. We're bringing 20 kids from his school, Capital Prep in Harlem, and then another 20 from New Visions Charter High School um, for Humanities Street. That's in Brooklyn, New York. Bringing 20 kids from both those schools to the Brooklyn Nets game. But before the Brooklyn Nets game, They'll be going to the Billboard Lounge to uh, sit in on the panel. I rounded out six panelists to be a part of this night. Justin Combs, Mona Scott Young, Sydney Michelle, Marilyn Van Alstine, Michael Byrne, and Azidi Jean-Pierre. This is going to be like a conversation, an hour and a half conversation um, tailored towards black excellence. So this is just to like raise the mindsets of the youth that's going to be in attendance. So Justin Combs um, is going to be talking about the importance of family um Mona Scott Young is gonna be talking about like once she's Haitian and we all know her background um so she could be she'll all talk about her background it's important to see like uh, a black woman an important black woman um in media she's a mover and a shaker and um she's a part of this organization that actually um, highlights Haitians and Haitian Americans as doing things um in the community nationwide if not worldwide it's oh, called amazing the, yeah it's called the haitian roundtable so i definitely want to um hear from her talk um hear her talk about that as well um and just talk about the the people that she's been honoring in the past couple of years that people might not know so um this being a uh, women's month i um, definitely want more women um, to be, um, on that panel and to honor more women, just let our youth hear from them yeah. as well. Sydney Michelle also, who is also a first Haitian woman as, at that to be on air for the Forbes, as well as the first Haitian woman, um, to be on air and second, um, woman period to be on air for, um, Complex. Yeah. Uh, TV. So it would definitely be dope to hear about her background and how she came about it, about getting there. Um, we also have Marilyn Van Alstine. She's into branding and marketing and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm always having conversations with her about like how kids are rep- uh, representing themselves on social media. So I definitely want her to talk and expound on that, um, the importance of representing yourself on social media um, professionally Yeah. Um, Super important. cause important. Yeah, definitely important. I remember
0: somebody told me they were like, they looked at my Instagram before they even sat in an interview with me. I was you like, wow.
1: Like, you feel me? Like, they were
0: like, off my Instagram, they already knew what I was about. Like, they knew yeah, media like, was my thing.
1: Like, things like this speaks for you but way before you can say hello mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, it's just like, you don't want to be judged and stuff growing up. Right. Um, they already, like, Counting us out and stuff like that and judging us just so far parents. So now that we do have platforms that can speak um on our behalf before we do, let's just represent ourselves right, right. and stuff like that, even while we're young, because it's just like, we're never too young for opportunity. Act- yes. but, so that's definitely what I want her to um, share. Um, Michael Byrne, he's a Haitian artist. Um, Definitely. Um, He's young as well. He's an EDM DJ at that. Like, he's born and raised in Haiti, and, like, he's definitely, um, he's done music with Skrillex and stuff like that. He's done these major um, festivals. He's also been honored by HRT, um, Haitian H&M Roundtable. Oh, Table. amazing. Um, yeah, definitely. And, like, there's so much more stuff. I don't even know how much I can really say about stuff like that. But, like, he's definitely going to talk about, like, the misconceptions of of haiti and stuff like that especially in our media and stuff like that just so we could clear out just to clear that out and it'll be definitely dope to hear it from like the horse's mouth per se and stuff like yeah. that it's, it's somebody that's actually out there who might have been out there like as recently as last week so it's just like i, I trust one of those people I'm um, talking on behalf of haiti rather than somebody who hasn't set foot in the country and god knows how long if exactly he Right, if he ever has been there. <laughs> Lastly, Zadie Jean Pierre, she's been definitely been highlighted by Vogue. Um, she's a ha- uh, Haitian designer. Yeah, I definitely yeah. doing huge, huge, huge endeavors. Um, she's already worked with the Clinton Foundation. Um, and again, like it's it's Women's Month, and so like women means a lot to me. Like I have mm-hmm. a mother, I have nieces, I have a sister, and stuff like that. Like, and they definitely are huge pillars in my life. So um, it would be dope just to hear from more women and stuff like that. That's doing huge things um, in the industry and stuff. And she happens to be Haitian as well. So it's just like just to have like a conglomerate, Perfect. yeah, just to have a conglomerate of, of these panelists and stuff like that. One is definitely a forum and a show of black excellence to have people of these stature um, on our panelists before these kids um, sharing their time to speak. But also can't say like Haiti's hey, a shithole nation if they're producing people like Moonis Guy Young, mm-hmm. if they're pro- producing offspring like Cindy Michelle and Azadi Jean Pierre. If they're producing people that's making like huge feats in music like Michael Burr and stuff like that, like you can't exactly. you can't really say like. These countries, are, uh, it's a a nation. Like that's that's the reason why we need more people like this in, in this country. Exactly. And so like, look what they're spending their time doing and stuff like that. Like putting in the their, groundwork. You feel me? While people like are on the like golf courses and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. they're spending their time and stuff like that, speaking and stuff, and just trying to raise the morale of these exactly. children and the youth and stuff like that. And that's what we're going to be doing on March 11th. The When I put the word out, the response was overwhelming. Right now we're over, over 50, 55 kids that we're bringing um, on wow. there. Pretty sure so the numbers are going to be going up um, as the days get closer and stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations on everything that you are doing. I'm super, super excited for you for everything you have going on. And for March 11th.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to spend a special shout out to Mandel Smith. He's he's a moderator for that night, and he's like a huge, huge, huge intricate part of making this possible. Um, as well as Stacey McCourt. definite shout outs to her as well. And thank you for making it on March 11th possible. That's
0: yes. yes, thank you so much. Any other projects we should be on the lookout for? Any you have to, of Decoded we should look out for? Anything at all?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I produce a show called 10 Shots with Hennessy. It's a show that we've been working on. Hennessy, she's Cardi B's sister. Been doing a couple of episodes. We finished the entire season of uh, Ten Shots with Hennessy. What the show is about is at the top of every month, um hennessy will recap the top 10 stories um in the news of entertainment fashion and um sports nice. um just basically the culture she the, just top 10 stories in the culture and we call it 10 shots of hennessy or uh, um, perfect title yeah <laughs> 10 shots with hennessy yeah so look out for that we'll be back out with that shortly Pretty soon and there's a lot of more shows that I'm working on that, that'll that be coming down the pipeline. I can't wait to come back and sit down with you to let you know about those um projects. Yes. Soon.
0: I'll be definitely waiting on the updates.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Thank you for carving out time out of your schedule. I know I know we stuck in the storm but I know you're super, super busy, so I really appreciate it.
1: Nah, so good. I appreciate this opportunity. Well if anybody would like to get tickets, they could definitely get tickets. This event is open to the public now. I definitely want to let you know. Okay. Um, they can go to events backslash relief night. That's with an s. Dot events. Within s. Backslash relief night, and they can buy their tickets there, or they can follow me at. Mr. Royal Glam, that's M as in Mary, R-R-O-Y-A-L G-L-A-M as in Mary on Instagram and Twitter and they can um, find the link in my bio and click there. Absolutely. appreciate you, Shantia.
0: Thank you so much. You're listening to the Industry Insider Podcast with Shantia B.